0: All right, here at St. Peter, for the last few weeks, we have been in a series that we are calling Dangerous Prayers. And what we've been doing is looking at passages of Scripture that include invitations to pray that we hope are going to stretch and expand and help grow our toolkit, you might say, our arsenal Of prayer that might challenge us and stretch us and and hopefully cause us to grow and become more like Jesus uh, at the end of this. And so we've looked already at prayers like search me and lead me, and today uh, our prayer is teach me. And to kind of prepare for that, I want you to think about this question. I'm not going to ask you to share an answer out loud because it's maybe a little bit vulnerable. Uh, And the question is this, what's one part of the Bible that you struggle with to believe. And maybe it's not right now. Maybe you've kind of come to terms with it, or or maybe it is, or maybe it's not even your own struggle, but you're thinking of someone else that you know and love. Um, I'd imagine that there's at least one or maybe a few uh, biblical teachings that just is hard to reconcile with, with the way the world works or what you think or hear in other spaces. What's one part of the Bible, one passage, one teaching that's maybe a struggle to believe. Uh, Sarah just reminded me I forgot kids' word. All right, so just pause in the middle of the message. (laughs) All right, Mrs. Drake is here. It took me a second to realize what she was mouthing to me. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, Kids' word is for anyone preschool through second grade who wants to join Mrs. Drake. She was already ready and willing to go. So right here in the middle, you guys are going to head out that way. There you go. Sorry about that. Awesome. Parents, don't worry. They will come back. Uh, you may wish that they would stay with Mrs. Drake, but she wants to go home too. So will bring them back after the message is over for upper room time and the rest of the service. All right. There you go. That gave you some bonus time to think about the question, uh, what's one part of the Bible that you struggle to believe, right? Uh, here's a passage of scripture I want to just walk you through and show you maybe some that may have come up for you. Uh, This is actually the the foundational passage for our National Lutheran Schools Week from Colossians chapter 1. It goes like this. The Son, it's talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Right I highlighted a couple of these verses, because I know it in my life, one of the things that I've had to wrestle with has been, I firmly believe what Scripture says is true, that God created everything. and in fact, God created everything in and through Jesus. John chapter one. "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and everything that has been made was made through Him. And Genesis 1 makes it clear that God did it uh, in six. Days And yet, you probably know the science textbooks. You've been to museums that try to say, actually, it took millions and maybe even billions of years. And so, how do we reconcile what you're hearing in science class with what the Bible teaches, right? And and, and that's been maybe a point of struggle for some of you or someone you know as well. Uh, How do we hold on to the biblical teaching of creation in a culture and in a time that seems to think that that was maybe just um, a myth? Uh, or let's keep going on. We'll see a couple more examples. He, again, still talking about Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And I put in bold there uh, the, the passage specifically about the resurrection of Jesus and how that means that we also one day will experience the resurrection unto eternal life, right? A core biblical teaching is that our bodies are imperfect now. They're subject to sin. We get sick, we get broken, we eventually die, and then we'll decay. But we believe that because Jesus was raised from the dead, our bodies, too, will be resurrected, perfected. Our spirits return to them to experience eternal life in this world, that has also been set free from sin right so for some of you and maybe someone you know this concept of the resurrection of our bodies or some of the teaching around what happens to us when we die maybe some of that is a point of struggle for you or someone you know and love here's a here's another one for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him um, that first part in bold there is a foundational uh, verse for the teaching of the divinity of Jesus. Right, We believe, because the Bible teaches it, that Jesus, uh, unlike any other human being, is entirely God and entirely human at the same time. He's not 50-50. He's not half God, half human. He's not even like 80-20, like mostly God but a little bit of human or, or anything like that. He's 100% human and 100% God. And that doesn't make sense kind of cognitively based on our human experience. And Christians have struggled to understand and articulate that ever since. That's why we actually we have the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene and the Athanasians' Creed were written in large part to speak to how to understand and believe the divinity of Christ or if we keep going in the rest of this verse, through him, through this God-man Jesus, uh, that through him, God has sent him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, right? There are some who who struggle with uh, why did God have to send Jesus to suffer and to die, and how in the world could the blood of Jesus forgive our sins, right? Um, Maybe that's a place where someone you know or love has struggled to hold on to and believe what God teaches to be true. Now, these are just a few examples, and maybe there are others that come to mind. And and what we want to do is lean into them today, and with a humble and contrite heart and an open mind, say, God, teach me, shape me, form me, so that I can know and understand you your will, and your ways, right? And to do that, I want to take you back to that Bible passage we started with today from Psalm 86. And we're going to look at this verse, verse 11, as one of King David's teach me prayers, All right, Starting with the first line here, teach me your way, Lord. Now, odds are, you know, uh, David was king, Uh, And he was, in fact, uh, chosen by God. He was a man after God's own heart. But what we know about David, he was also a man of prayer. Um, And many of his prayers are recorded for us in the book of Psalms. And a number of them include, in particular, this teach-me prayer idea. So here's another example, Psalm 25. Uh, David says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Again and again and again, what we see is David as king inviting God to teach him that what God would call to be his best, to teach him his ways. Here's another example. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. One common theme we've see, you can see as you look at David's teach me prayers is it's often in a moment of crisis, conflict, or struggle that David is wrestling with, I don't know what to do next, God. I don't know how this is going to end up, but I know you do. And I want you to transform my heart and mind. I want you to shape the way I think and view the world. I want you to teach me your way. One more example, a little different, Uh, in Psalm 32, uh, David says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. When I first looked at this, I wondered, is this the words of God that David's recording, or the words of David? And I had to double-check because I wanted to make sure it was right. And in fact, it is David's words to whoever would be reading or hearing this psalm. And that's interesting and notable for this reason. The pattern of faith that has been consistent from the beginning and all the way until now has always been women and men and girls and boys modeling the faith for others so that they might learn through their lives, through what they do and say, uh, what God's best is to learn his words and his ways. And so David, who has been asking God to teach him his ways, is now saying, I will pass on to you some of what you uh, have taught or, or some of what God has taught me. And it's the same in the way of Jesus. He invites people to follow him so that they become like him. Or 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And this week, as we also think about uh, the shaping of lives through teachers and the teachers at our own school, we're reminded that God has used many to help shape our hearts and lives. That God uses uh, Christian women and men, pastors, teachers, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, and friends to help us learn the words and ways of Jesus and seek to put them in in practice in our lives. We see this with David, and we see this uh, in our own life as well. Uh, Throughout all of our life, Uh, Until our final breath and our dying day, we will have room to learn and grow and then in turn pass on and share with others what we have learned. And so that leads me to this question. To ask and to pray a teach me prayer, it's fundamental that we have to have a teachable spirit. We have to be open to having God continue to challenge, transform, and change our hearts and minds. We're never going to have it perfectly figured out. We will never have our life entirely together. There will always be room to learn and grow. And if we do not have a teachable spirit, uh, we will not allow Jesus, we will not allow God's word to have its full way within us. So if you're going to engage in a teach me prayer, if you're going to invite God to shape your heart and mind, It has to start with a willingness to be transformed, a willingness to change. Now Jesus says this, John chapter 14, verse 6. You probably know this verse well. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right, uh, I bring you to this verse because what we need to discern is the reason God's word is the primary source of our teach me prayers and our transformation is because all of it hinges on, points to, and finds fulfillment in the person, in the work, in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, why is my word true? Why can you trust scripture? It's because it is revealing the words and the ways of Jesus. Even going back to the very beginning. Think about this one of the last things Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven was these words recorded in Luke 24. He says, This is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Right? What he's saying is the Old Testament scriptures, what we call them today, was divided into three parts. The, the law, the prophets, and the writings Or sometimes referred to as the Psalms, as the primary book within them. Right, He says, everything about me, everything written in them, was written in one way, shape, or form about me, to point to me, to prepare God's people to hear and receive what I have come to say and do. And so Jesus claims the authority of all scripture, and since it's found its fulfillment in him. Right? So why would we seek to have our lives transformed, become more like Jesus? Why would we base our hope and our life and our understanding of the world in Scripture? It's because that's what Jesus said we should do and invites us to do as he has modeled for us as well. Um, now, you heard me say maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, our hearts cannot be trusted. Right? We'll come back to that here in just a moment before we close. But another thing is true, and that's this. Our heads sometimes get in the way as well. Right? Our heads cannot be trusted either. I remember when I learned this for the first time uh, in my own life. I was a child growing up, and, and, and we would love to gather together with our family and friends, right? uh, and, and with our cousins especially around Christmas and holiday time. And as a kid, I remember whenever we'd go to see my extended family, my, my first uh, focus was on uh, the cousins. Right? That's natural, all the kids I'd want to play with. But, but over time, I learned to understand the life story of some of my aunts and uncles too. And what I learned along the way is, is on my dad's side of the family, a strongly Catholic side of the family, uh, two or three, I think it was, of his older brothers at one point in time had gone to seminary, right? And that was something that my grandparents were really excited about. They, they went to seminary, and maybe after that they would become priests. But at least well, all three of them, I know, eventually left the school, and at least two of them eventually left the faith as well, right? And one of the reasons why is they were brilliant, Right? One went on to become a nuclear physicist. Uh, and has a patent because he discovered that microscopic diamonds are formed uh, when you have atomic explosions, right? Interesting. I don't know what you do with them, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, one of them went on to be a university professor, provost, and president, eventually retiring from Arcadia University outside of Philadelphia. Right? Brilliant men. I love them dearly, but sometimes they got too smart for their own good, and, and they couldn't hold on to the simple truths of Scripture because it didn't add up with what they were learning and discovering as they were going to school, right? Maybe for you, some of the struggle is you have learned so many things and you understand so much that it's hard to reconcile that with the simple childlike faith that God calls us to. Maybe for some of you, your heads get in the way, right? You're too smart sometimes for your own good. Now, teach me prayers. Lead to this destination. This is the and the goal that we want to get to. David says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Right? When we follow through with teach me prayers, what we learn is that God is present always in all circumstances, uh, both good and bad. And we can rejoice in the good. That's why we have God's sightings as part of our worship. But we can also learn from the struggle. Right? Remember Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, you will be with me and you will lead me through it to life that is everlasting. Right. Sometimes it's through the challenges in particular that the presence and the providence and the power of God is revealed. Uh, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Right? Here's a question. Um, can you answer this? Can you think of a time when God has proven faithful to you lately? Maybe it's through breakthrough in a relationship. Maybe it's provision for you and your family and those you love. Maybe it's an answered prayer for health and healing. Can you think of a time where God has proven faithful to you lately? And if that's a struggle, maybe the invitation to a teach me prayer is exactly what you need. God, help me be aware of your presence and your provision, your power and your protection. Help me learn to trust you and see where you are faithful and true even when the circumstances of my life may not dictate that that's the case. Uh, Where has God proven himself faithful to you? And finally, to kind of land our message today, uh, this last part of the verse, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we pointed this out. It's a common theme. Our hearts cannot be trusted. Um, this has been true for us, uh, not just in our own present circumstances, but throughout all of human history. And let me give you one example to kind of close today. I'm reading in my morning Bible reading time right now through the book of Numbers. And some of you know that my practice is just to keep rooting through the Bible, right? Just slowly, I've got the rest of my life and forever to figure it out, so I'm not in any hurry, right? And so I'm in Numbers right now, and it's that part of the book of Numbers where Moses and Israel are about to enter into the promised land. And, And before they go into the promised land, they send 12 spies to go scout it out right? Uh, And maybe you remember the song, uh, uh, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. Remember that one? Um, uh, And so it's it's that part of the story. And and what happens is the 12 spies come back and two of them, Caleb and Joshua, are all excited. And they're like, man, this is amazing. God's going to bless us. But 10 are super reluctant. They're held back by fear. Their hearts are divided. And as a result, all of Israel loses confidence in God's provision and says, we don't want to go. We'd rather go back to Egypt, okay? It's in the midst of that that God gives uh, some interesting instructions to Israel, right? After their failure to trust him, God says, all right, you're going to spend 40 more years in the wilderness, but while you do, here's a few things I want you to do. And one of them is this. Um, If you can see in this picture, Uh, Maybe you've seen some uh, people from the Jewish community wearing uh, these kind of garments, including, especially, I want to draw your attention to the little tassels, right? They're referred to as tzitzit. Uh, And in Numbers, uh, this is the first time it's mentioned in Scripture, where God says, I want you to wear uh, these tassels on the corners of your garments. One, two, three, four corners of the garment that you would wear over you. And each of them was supposed to have a blue thread through them. Now, blue was significant uh, because it was one of the colors in the tabernacle. And tassels in that time and place were seen as an embellishment on something you would wear, especially if you were royal, wealthy, or of a priestly uh, community. And so part of this seems to suggest that God wanted his people to know that even though they were wandering in the wilderness, they were a a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Okay? Okay. But there's another function for these uh, strange adornments as well, and it's noted for us in Numbers 15, verse 39. And, and it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them and not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes. You see, all the way back at the beginning, uh, for, for part of the original human condition of sin, Uh, Our hearts have been a weak point, just like our heads, as I mentioned a moment before. And God gave these to the Jewish community as a way for them to have a tangible, physical reminder of the presence of God, of his desire for them, of his commandments, that is, the ways to have connection with him and God's best in their lives, because they need constant reminders. And here's the thing. So do we. right? We need as much help as we can get to remember God's best to commit ourselves to it, to submit ourselves to his word and allow it to shape and transform our lives. So when you enter into a teach me prayer, that's what we're inviting God to do. God, shape my hearts and mind, transform me into the image of Christ. Uh, Commit my life to him, his words and his ways. Submit myself to your truth so that I might know best how it is to live both now and for forever. That's what a teach-me prayer is, and that's what it should do. And our hope and prayer is that as we learn this prayer too, we would be transformed to become more like Jesus. To that end, would you join with me in our teach-me prayer for this week? The words are on your screens. Let's pray. Creator of the world, all knowledge and truth belong to you. Teach me your truth and help me hold fast to it, even when my own thoughts and the world around me say otherwise. Amen.